Hey community, welcome to our sermon podcast for wanderers, seekers, and thinkers, for deconstructing and reconstructing. This is a feed of Open Door Church, a faith community focused on God's love and grace, a progressive church built around action, community, and people. Enjoy this week's message and check back often as we're posting new content every week. style from the video and they're going to share some of their experiences and uh, some things that that they think are helpful and so they bring um, wisdom and insight and so I'm excited to have the thank you both. I thought we'd start because some have seen the video and some have not. If you would just tell us a little bit about your experience uh, with mental health or, or maybe a little bit about your story and how it relates to mental health or how mental health has impacted it. Um, Jonathan, you mind starting? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, my name's Jonathan, and I was a, uh, part of a church uh, called Burnett here in town. And uh, years ago, I was in a car accident and suffered from back and neck pain uh, for years. And I was always very optimistic and upbeat growing up. And uh, as time went on and I didn't get better, um, just kind of started to beat me down, and I fell into a depression, and it took a very long time and a lot of different things to get me out, and uh, fortunately, I'm still here, so um, yeah, willing to share my story and uh, talk about how we can help other people that are struggling like I was. That's the short of it, yeah. Please. Okay. Um, at the moment... I have generalized anxiety disorder. Um, I really started to notice I was struggling after having my first child. Uh, I had what's called postpartum OBC, OCD, OCD. Um, so it's it's um, anxiety disorder. A lot of people know about postpartum depression. Not a lot of people know about. Um, this thing that I had, which basically was, I was constantly consumed with fears of uh, my children dying or me hurting my child, just constantly. So um, I had that after each of my children for about a year after they were born. I was just consumed with fear that led to all sorts of (laughs) struggles. Um, And then after my third one was born, about two years later, I realized it wasn't going away when it normally had. And it, um, it changed into generalized anxiety disorder, and I started going to a therapist, and as while working with a the therapist, I realized that, or she made me realize that I had struggled with anxiety since I was a very small child. Um, and that all those many, many fears I had as a child, my, my problems with talking to adults, my problems with answering questions in class or, or making phone calls or ordering food, all these things that seemed ridiculous were actually connected to something that had gone undiagnosed and had been treated as just like Aaron's weird things <laughs> as a kid and that weren't helped. So, um, so now that I know, you know, um, that's where I'm at. I have generalized anxiety disorder. I, I'm on medication, which really helps. And yeah, so that's kind of the short of it. Thanks for sharing. Um, 
before we move to my loud, can you turn it down? I feel like I shouldn't hear my before we move to the like like how does how should we help or how do we respond or how does how does a community um, respond to the to the in the broader sense um, can can you tell us a little bit about how theology or your view of God or faith um, both there's kind of two sides of this both in the sense of um, sometimes faith is actually a, a detriment to our mental health and, and can feed problems. And then the flip side of that is it can be helpful if we're in the right space. Uh, so if you could maybe speak to um, all of that or none of that. Um, I mean, particularly I'm interested in theology because I find, I find that intriguing, but wherever you would like to carry that is okay too. I'll go first again. Um, I had to change almost everything I believed about God in order to um, keep my faith. Um, because the, I've been thinking about this all week. The, the only image I can come up with is that like being in severe depression is like being in a hole. And everybody else is kind of up on the normal, normal plane of existence, and I'm stuck in this hole. And I had to change that... God put me in that hole um, because that would have been cruel. That wouldn't be a loving God. Um, And uh, yeah, so no matter how hard I tried to get out of the hole, I couldn't get out. And I had to change everything I believed about God. I had to change that he was in control of everything, um, that he was designing all these things that seemed to be going against me, that he was wanting them to happen to me. Um, and yeah, I changed how I viewed prayer because prayer didn't work. As, as much as I believed that I would get better, I never got better. And so um, just kind of changed all these little little things that um, ended up being harmful. They, I think they're, they have a place in faith. Um, believing God is a certain way, but they didn't work for me in that season of life. And fortunately, I came out of it okay, and uh, didn't leave the church. Like, I, I know plenty of people like me that just changed their view of God, and that, that's it. God put me here, and he's the worst because he put me through this. And uh, I'm fortunate that that didn't happen to me. Yeah, I guess that's, that's that. Um, I, I don't think I really struggled with my view of God as much as God's view of me, um, because with anxiety, it's really about fear, and so growing up in the church, you're like, um, you learn not to be afraid, right, because if you have faith that God will protect you, or he'll be with you, and all of these verses, about encouraging verses about not fearing, and yet I was consumed with fear, so um, it was really more about um, where did my faith go? there was like a guilt there like if I have all of this fear where did it come from and and why did I lose all my faith in God and his protection and things like that so with that fear came guilt and with that came my inability to share with people what I was struggling with so um, 
So I kept it to myself for years because I was afraid people were going to think that I didn't have enough faith to get through this stuff, right? Because you're not supposed to be afraid when you have Christ. Um, so I even kept it from my husband for years. I didn't let him know my struggles, like what I was dealing with. And I think part of that was because I was supposed to live up to an expectation as a Christian, as a believer, and I wasn't meeting those expectations. And the, Okay, so what's interesting there is that the background there is theology that has led us to internalize of fear. One of the things that Shaylee talked about in her sharing, which you can listen to on our podcast, um, was the unhelpful narrative of fear versus faith, I think is how you put it, which sets those two in contrast. It says you can have fear or you can have faith, and then and then that, that feeds that internal um, Interesting. Uh, so can you, dig, Jonathan, can you dig just a little bit further into that, the theology, because you, you just sort of rattled off a few things sure. that, yeah. that I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but that you were told to believe sure. yeah. about God. Mm-hmm. Um, and and actually, Aaron, in the video, you said people talk about God as the great healer. Yeah. And those are those are theologies that are ingrained in us. Can you speak just a little more uh, about what those are? Yeah. And if you want to keep going, well, how that how we how we respond to that? And right. Yeah. Well, one of the, the major things that you hear all the time, um, I heard it going through depression, but a lot of people hear it when someone dies or something bad goes on in their life, it's, uh, well, it's all part of God's plan. And it's just this, um, this I don't know, it's just this air. Um, everybody just talks about God's plan, like, like that's, that's just God's plan, that's just what it is. And uh, I had to move away from that because, like I said earlier, um, that wasn't working for me. That, that wasn't a good God putting me there. Um, but that's, that's a very... Um, I don't know about everybody else's history with the church, but like the church we go to, that's there's a couple things you have to believe, and one of them is that yeah, it's all God's plan. And so I went through this deep depression, and I had to keep my faith to myself because if I brought up that I thought God was a little different than the church believed, I felt uh, ex- not excommunicated, but I felt distant from the group. And when you're dealing with depression, that's all you feel is alone. And so I was already alone and dealing with um, these theological issues that were going to make me even more alone, more distant from the the community that I grew up in. And uh, I think that that's the biggest part about having, I don't know, specific beliefs that you have to have to be a part of a community is that you, you create a space where people can't be honest. People can't, um, can't say, well, this, I'm struggling with this, and I don't know if I believe that, but I still want to be in the church. Um, I felt like I couldn't voice those things. Um, hopefully, that is not the way all churches operate. Hopefully, that's just the church I went to. Um, but uh, I think that's something we need to be aware of, is that um, everybody believes different things. And uh, 
sometimes we can say, no, I think you're way off base here, bud. Um, but there's a way to do that lovingly and not just excommunicate people for you know, thinking something a little bit different about God. Yeah, the great healer. <laughs> um, in our family, we have several people with long-term illnesses. And uh, in, in conversation with Nathan, it comes up a lot about our, those people's view of God and illness and advice to me as well. And this idea that um, if they aren't healed, it's because God wants them to remain sick. Which is so crazy. Um, because in their minds, they believe that God is in control fully, so if they're ill, God has caused them to be ill for a purpose and all these things. And, and um, we just, I kind of just want to shake them <laughs> and be like, ah, no, not so much. <laughs> um, but I think that really applies here as well because um, I don't believe. I don't believe God gave me anxiety, right? Like, I think it's part of living in the world we are in where sickness happens and, and things like that. But um, if I said that to family members, that maybe God isn't fully in control of your illness, that would just shatter their whole view of, of something they've been living in their whole like for a very long time. So, yeah, you keep it to yourself yeah. a little bit. You're like, eh. Yeah, it, it, it forces you to think about our view of God, right? When you're living in illness. I don't have much more to say. No, that's great. Okay. That's, that's perfect. Um, okay, can we can we dig a little bit into the back side of that? Of Okay, so we've got things that are uh, not just not just ambivalent to our to our mental health, but actually harmful and, and lead us into sort of a darker place. Um, but then the shift in a healthier theology and a healthier uh, understanding of God, what are, the, what are the key identifiers that have been for you that have, that have been healthy or that have been productive in helping you move forward? Yeah, well, moving away from believing that God had put me there um, was huge and combined with God is in this hole with me, trying to move me out of it um, was just monumental and helped me a ton. And uh, yeah, that was a huge shift knowing that, yeah, he, he didn't put me there, but he was, he was there side by side with me, uh, helping me out of it. Um, it was very, very good. Um. It took me a long time to open up and share what I was dealing with. And part of that was the fear of what people would think in the church. Um, because as a person of faith, I'm not supposed to struggle with these things. And so I think years of keeping inside made it worse. Right? And so I was, I was, lucky, blessed enough to be in a church when I did come out and share what I was going on, that they were supportive and they were wonderful and they were understanding and they didn't make me feel like I shouldn't be in the position that I was in in ministry or anything like that. But that, even though that was the reality, all growing up with a mom with depression and seeing how the church treated her and um, things like that, all of those things were internalized. And so even though I was in a good place when I did share 
those memories kept me from sharing. So even though I had a good experience with the church when I shared, I've observed people my whole life who didn't, right? And so, um, yeah, keeping that in was one of the worst decisions, I think, instead of just sharing. So when I decided to to tell people what I was struggling with, that's when I felt like I, I started to get better a little bit. And I got the support I needed. So it was this fear of judgment in the church that didn't end up existing that kept me. Uh, so that brings, so that moves us really nicely into a, um, a conversation. So part of what we've been trying to do is talk about stigma. And, um, and one of the interesting things, so this got cut from the video, but... Uh, Jonathan spoke in our interview about the additional experience of stigma as a male and what society expected and stuff like that. And I wondered if you could share a little bit about uh, how that played into into things for you. Yeah, well, uh, <clears throat> growing up, I never realized how much I was absorbing uh, from the community that I was a part of, uh, being the church and my Christian family and all that. Um, I always thought that I was someone who actually believed that, you know, men and women were equal, and when I got married, that like it, we'd be equal. Um, but I realized when I was struggling with depression that I, I f- did not actually believe that internally. Internally, I, I had to be the provider. I had to, I had to be the strong one. I had to be the typical man, and. Um, that was shattered when I, I was out of work for a year and had to rely on my wife to provide for us. And, uh, yeah, so there's this huge stigma. I don't know if it's just internal on my part or, or that it's just in general that you can't have feelings and you can't have negative feelings if you're a man. You can't voice those things. You keep it keep it inside and you go punch something if you, if you don't want to, if you can't express it, right? So, um, yeah, I had to totally evaluate that and pretty much just get over it um, on my own terms because the church raised me to believe that the man's the head of of the wife, and uh, I had to work really hard to get over that, yeah. And the stigma is still there, like, um, I don't know if it's, yeah, on my part or it's actually a thing that exists, but I'm still working against it. And it's very hard and very difficult. And actually, even in, well, even as we've worked through this series, uh, so uh, Shaley shared it at the beginning of our series and, and vlogs regularly uh, under the title Sisters in Mental Illness. Does that sound right? Sorry. <laughs> Sisters in Mental Illness. There are, uh, from what I've been able to source, there are many more resources for women to talk about it, to seek, to find someone else that's open to talk about it. Uh, and and it was important for us to acknowledge in this process that, um, that that's, it feels like in our place, it feels like women are struggling with this and men are not because we're not able to talk about it still. Um, 
and yeah, so it was it was important for us to to pull that out and think about it. But um, it's it's good also to hear how the the rest of things play out in in the process. Um, okay, so let's flip the table because this was very interesting to me okay. when we talked about this conversation. Um, yeah, so um, I love history. <laughs> I love reading and researching, and one thing I've come across a lot is, is history's treatment of women and their view of women and mental illness and how we are weak and how all sorts of illnesses it's because we have hysteria and all of these things and and there's a lot of really dark history about how women have been treated and connected to mental illness and so um i find myself thinking about that a lot especially when um, a lot of self-care for me is maybe going and having a nap or being in our in our room quiet by myself and i have three kids so that means i depend on nathan a lot to step up and help me and that thought enters my mind that I'm living up to this historical expectation of a woman, that she is weak, that she needs help, that a man has to step in and help do the things she should be doing, right? Which are kind of not healthy thoughts, right? But I'm reminded that, yeah, I'm there's little thoughts in the back of my mind that I'm living up to these expectations that the patriarchy has set up for me. <laughs> that, yeah, I don't know. So, and I know it's false, but I still think about it every once in a while. How, how can the church just open? Uh, how can the church be a part of the solution there? Like, I mean, we, we tend to, well, I don't want to, yeah, how can, how can we better address that? That specifically, because that's playing, that's, furthering and complicating health and healing, how can we, how can we respond? What does that look like? Well, my story is... A bonus um, question. Yeah, sure. <laughs> my story is um, I went to uh, Burnett my whole life. Um, I actually was employed there for about two years, uh, paid to lead worship. And I was on the worship team for probably more than five years. And... I stepped back when I was struggling, um, before I knew I had depression, but when I was struggling. And I stopped going for probably, I don't know, like four, five, six months, um, and no one reached out to me. And the, what hurt the most about that wasn't like that no one reached out to me, it was that I was a staple for quite a while at this church and no one reached out to me. So. How about that person that just kind of shows up and needs something and and just stops going and like they're left on their own. The church isn't protecting me, so they're not protecting the, the, the little guys. Um, it's not a good way to look at it, but um, so it took about six months for someone to reach out to me. And the person that reached out to me, he was he's he's very different than me. He's like a man's man, and uh, he hunts and he's into tr like cars and trucks and. That is definitely not what I'm like. Um, but he reached out to me and he said, I know you're struggling. Um, I, I don't know how to help you, but I'm here. Whatever, whatever you need, I'm here. If you need um, prayer, if you need someone to talk to, if you need someone to just go to a movie with and 
get away for a while, like whatever it is, you let me know. Uh, and I'm here for it. If you need money to go to therapy, if you need money for anything, like just let me know. And so he, he understood that help is fluid. There's no one answer for someone dealing with mental illness. Um, and every day it can change. Um, some days, yeah, just laying in bed all day was what was right for me. And some days it was going out for beers with friends. And so he understood that help, help is not. There's not one way to help someone. And he also, he committed himself to pray for me for, I guess it was about three months he prayed for me. Every morning he got up and had his prayer time, and he would send me a text with a prayer and say, like, uh, hey, God, uh, help John and I have a good day. Um, help John with what he's struggling with or whatever. He'd send me a verse. And uh, at the time I was in a dark place, and I was like, this is all, this is all bull crap. But it was cool to know that he was doing it for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think that's what, that's what we need to, to be, is we need to be like my friend Will, who just says, I'm here, I, I don't know how to help you, but whatever you need, I'm, I'm here. And I think that's it's a pretty big sacrifice. I, I don't know that I would like to do that myself, but um, yeah, that's what we need to be, is we need to just be open to being an ear, um, being a shoulder to cry on, um, being whatever that person needs, and uh, maybe sharing our input if if they're open to it, if they're open to um, receiving advice. I know there was plenty of days where I did not want to hear what people had to say. So if they wanted to tell me to go to therapy or whatever their view was, I didn't want to hear it. Um, so this is a really delicate line that we have to, we have to balance to help anyone that's struggling. Um, but we have to be willing to, you know, at least reach down into the hole. We don't have to jump down, but just say, hey, we're up here. If you need me to lift you up, I'm here. Yeah, I was just thinking, how does how can we better respond, uh, either in the on the stigma side of things, but but also how can we be better prepared to help or or um, or yeah. Um, I have found in the last few years when I have been completely open and genuine. That is when other people open up and share what they're working through. Um, so the more I have shared what I'm working through, the more I see people free to do the same. Um, so this is kind of like an inward out kind of motion here, instead of me telling you what the church should do. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so when I have been just as real as I can possibly be and just not afraid, then I see this weight lifted from other people who are welcomed in to do the same. And so I think that's something that we need to encourage in our relationships and as a group. Um, it's really hard to be genuine in church sometimes. You gotta be happy or you gotta you have to be like... Like, in my position, you have to be, like, on and, like, get things done, which I love. But um, sometimes I'm struggling, right? So um, just really encouraging people to be genuine by myself, also being genuine. Yeah. That's something that I've seen in the last few years help other people. That's really great. Thank you. Uh...
thank you very much. For Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Open Door Church. Our intro and outro music was created by Lee Rosevere and is used under a Creative Commons by Attribution license. Have a great week. Ask the hard questions and explore God's love. Everyone is always welcome to join the journey with us at Open Door. Learn more at opendoorfamily.ca. That's opendoorfamily.ca.